Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to see Mizzou. It was a Missouri game against Nebraska at Fro Field. Mizzou came out and hung right with the Huskers. Uh, the Huskers were ranked number one at the time. Nebraska had to score a touchdown on the final play to send the game in overtime. I remember Scott Frost threw the ball into the end zone. The ball flew through the air, and then someone dove for it. Nobody knew quite what happened. Fans started running onto the field. They were jumping on the goalposts because we all thought Mizzou won. But Nebraska had actually scored. They called it the flea kicker. It's one of the most famous plays now in college football history. Even though Mizzou lost that game, it made me a fan of the Tigers forever. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit ColumbiaTribune.com slash sports and click tickets. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Daniel Jones here with Cameron Teague Robinson on Wednesday, February 27th. And we're getting to the time of year where everything is starting to collide again. You have that period at the end of... (laughs) I was trying not to make noise. I was moving the microphone. We should start that over. <laughs> I kind of want to keep it because, man, that, that you could hear like the low rumble. And if everybody could see Cam's face, it was just like he was trying. It was like you were trying it, that scene in Indiana Jones where he takes the rock, the stone. He's and he's trying, trying to, to put something up. Put the yeah. bag. It was exactly, he was like very Yeah, slowly. I was trying not to make a lot of noise. Okay. So anyway, what I was saying before uh, Cam's face made me laugh was, uh, yeah, that period in november where everything collides frank uh spring and fall mm-hmm. no, fall and winter fall and winter yeah. spring and spring fall, fall do not don't don't them. collide mm-hmm. uh, fall and winter collide and now you have the point where the winter sports and the spring sports are colliding you have softball baseball uh football actually is starting up we have uh, a report from barry odom as mizzou spring football is starting their first spring practices sunday so there's a lot to get to uh but I wanted, and we'll talk about all that. Yeah, another update on Mizzou basketball, which lost again last night. The men lost to Mississippi State in one of their probably least competitive games of the year. The women have fallen twice since their epic victory over Mississippi State, lost to Tennessee last weekend, and then uh, they also fell to Auburn. I guess actually the Tennessee game was during the week, and then they lost to Auburn over the weekend. So um, we will get to all that. But you pointed out something that was kind of funny right before we started, which is uh, if you follow college basketball, you might have seen Fran McCaffrey, the, like I, the Iowa coach, yeah. the reports on what happened after the Iowa game. They they got blown, they blown out, out by at Ohio State. And uh, Fran McCaffrey, known for blowing his top uh, many times over the course of his coaching career, apparently he went down the hall yelling, what did he say, Cam? He uh, Yelling at the referees. Yeah, yelling at, he was yelling at the referees in the hallway of the Value City Arena. He said, you, che- you cheating mother effer, <laughs> you're a effing disgrace. Um, that's pretty, uh, that's, I saw that just, that was just on Twitter after the game. And I was just after the Missouri game and I was just like, Oh, wow. Ah, <laughs> seems, uh, inappropriate. Yeah. Seems like the kind of that thing. Sounds like things fans yell. Exactly. You're a head coach of a division one big 10 program. Chasing down an official in the hallway. Yeah. To call him che- a cheater and a 
effing disgrace. Effing disgrace. Um, that's unbelievable. It reminded me of a story. I have a friend, a close college friend, who was a umpire uh, for minor league baseball, uh, independent league baseball, and also some collegiate wood bat leagues uh, going back a couple years. And he was telling a story this weekend, actually, uh, about one of the, an instance similar to that. Obviously, as an umpire, you bear the brunt of a lot of criticism. And during a game a couple years ago, in Laredo, Texas, or with the team from Laredo, uh, the home team, you know, usually when the away team comes up, the PA, they'll play a walk-up song that's kind of funny that, you know, like, for instance, uh, I'm a Barbie girl, we'll play when an away batter is coming up to the plate. Well, there was a mix-up and the PA accidentally played I'm a Barbie girl for when a home batter came to the plate. And so my friend, the umpire, who was behind the plate, kind of made an offhand remark like, oh, I bet that's not your walk-up song, or that's not your walk-up song, is it? Well, the catcher heard that, and this catcher basically filed it away in the back of his mind. And there were some questionable ball and strike calls during the game, and the catcher eventually kind of turned on my friend, the umpire, and was like, you know all their walk-up songs. Like, you're obviously in the tank for this team. You're being friendly with this team. Later in the game, it went down to the ninth inning, and the way he put it is every time something like that happens, it goes into extras, it goes into the ninth inning, it always ends up with some BS for the umpire yeah, who has to make okay. a, a very tight call. Yeah. So the, the play that ended the game, base hit, guy on second base coming around to score, play at the plate, guy was safe. And the catcher, who had heard the comment and was already upset, just, just unleashed. Mind, yeah. yeah, unbelievable. You were in the tank with this team the whole time. You know all their walk-up songs. And the coach, the umpires, to get back to the locker room, had to walk through the visiting dugout to get to the umpire locker room and walk by the umpire or the, the visiting coach. And the visiting coach just absolutely let him have it. Fran McCaffrey style, probably. Yeah. You cheating MFers. Yeah. I can't believe it. You know everybody on this team. The game moves too fast to you. You'll never make it to the big leagues. So that's just, I mean, it was like those minor things. If you're a referee, uh, right. spare, spare a thought for a referee yeah, every 100%. once in a while. Yeah. Umpire. Yeah. They really, and if you're I a, wouldn't want that job for anything in my life. Yeah. Never, never comment on anybody else's walk up song. Yeah. Yeah. Because that one comment basically well, also the thing about Frank McCaffrey lost him his is, credibility. I mean, they they lost by twenty, so no, nothing the ref. Yeah, said. how are you going to blame the referee <laughs> yeah. for losing by twenty points? Yeah. Nothing the referee said made them lose, but gave Ohio State twenty points. Your team got crushed, yeah. man. Yeah, your team so, got crushed. Yeah. All right, so we talked today with Barry Odom for quite a while. I actually gave an update on how things were going with Mizzou football from the off season, kind of a lead up to spring practice, which we said starts Sunday. Um, some quick notes that obviously are of interest to us in the media. First of all, every practice, uh, we will have an opportunity to talk to every player after. So that was exciting. That probably means a lot less to our readers than it does to us. I think that, you know, that obviously has a big impact on how we're able to do our jobs, but hopefully that will open the door for um, some better features, some better reporting throughout the spring so I guess I'm putting the pressure on myself or Mizzou's putting the pressure on the media to do better job yeah because they have and more it, opportunities it, and it only benefits the reader I mean it just means you get more uh more things to read I mean we talk to the same people after every single practice there's only so much that they can tell us that's right um so yeah it's benefit to everybody and we'll see if this continues on through this through the fall and into the season but it's a great start in spring practice for sure exactly so the that, spring practice gets kind of boring after a f- yeah week. very much so when you're doing that 
two, three times a week. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. So hopefully more fresh stories this spring. Um, of note about the roster, the depth chart that was released, Trey Williams is not on it. Barry Odom said he is still enrolled at Mizzou, but he is still indefinitely suspended from the football program. So he was he's on the website's roster for this for spring, but he is not on the 2019 spring depth chart, which was released today. So whether or not he ever sees another game in a Mizzou uniform, I guess remains to be seen because he is still um, indefinitely suspended from the football program. He hasn't been kicked off the team yet. Uh, Jack Lowry, who is a backup for the last couple of years, uh, not on the spring roster either. Barry Odom said he's still enrolled and he's going to transition into a coaching role. That's something he would like to do this fall. Uh, Zoo's added a new position on defense. Uh, Barry Odom joked that uh, playing with 12 guys is part of their plan to be better, uh, which I don't know. He said it was something they did at Rockbridge one time during a scrimmage at Mizzou. They were getting killed. <laughs> Offense was marching up and down the field. And finally, um, they were, the offense was right next to the goal line, and Barry Adams' Rockbridge team was on defense. And he told a linebacker, he just sent him out there. And the linebacker, the linebacker was like, Coach, there's already three linebackers on the field. He goes, I don't care. We need four. Go, go out there and stay in the middle. Nobody noticed. I got the stop. So Barry joked that that was what they were going to do this time around. But uh, that new position, boundary... As what? That's not what it says. It says bandit, oh. and Barry Odom uh, definitely did not mean for that to be bandit. That was kind of the Mizzou SID, I guess, misinterpreting Barry Odom's that's, notes. That's the new Mizzou football joke the rest of the year. Bandit. bandit. Who's Some, playing bandit? Who's playing bandit today? Barry Odom was really confused because he said that's like a call that they use on defense occasionally. So to call it a position didn't make any sense to him. And uh, yeah, if we say the bandit position, I, that might be kind of funny for a little while. Yeah. I could imagine by week three yeah, of the football season, Barry Odom is Every not going to find Every time we refer to Tyler Gillespie, and, and if we say bandit, Barry's going to be like, listen, guys, it was funny in March. It's not funny anymore. Exactly. I feel that could, that could happen in... Uh, yeah, April. by April. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that position, it looks like it'll be an opportunity for some guys. You said Tyree Gillespie. Uh, it'll be an opportunity for another player in the secondary. The strong safety position is going to be kind of more interchangeable with the strong side linebacker position this year, which that has kind of been the case for the last few years. But Ronell Perkins, who played a lot at the strong strong side linebacker, the Sam linebacker last year. He is listed right now at strong safety with Khalil Oliver. So they'll kind of float back and forth. Khalil right. Oliver, on, according to this depth chart, six one two ten. Uh It seems to me like he, he probably has put on some weight yeah. to be to be doing that uh, and playing up closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, good reports so far on Akeel Byers. Barry Odom said Jordan Elliott uh, could be one of the best defensive tackles Mizzou's ever Man. had. I They were... Th- talking about him last spring about I, I can't remember I think I remember talking to Terry Beckner about him and he and he was just like man this kid's gonna be so good when he gets a chance to play and he was really good towards the end of last year um I, he had that huge game where he had yeah um, against Arkansas yeah we had three sacks in that game like I I mean that he he's gonna he's obviously everybody's hyping him up pretty well but I think he has a chance to be really good this year yep so that'll be one to watch uh Keel Byers, as I mentioned, he could play all four spots, Barry Odom said. He played more at defensive end last year, but uh, could be somebody that slots in at tackle, kind of depending on, I think, 
the development that they get from Trajan Jeffcoat and Jatorian Hansford. So if either one of those guys, who were both freshmen last year, if they're able to kind of step up and prove that they deserve some playing time, that could open the door for Akil Byers to move inside with Jordan Elliott. And I think that would be to the benefit of Missouri. That would probably be the best thing for them to do uh, would be to have all, you know, Akil Byers playing more his more natural position at tackle. Uh, and then you have obviously a couple of sophomores, Trajan Jeffcoat and Jatorian Hensford that could make an impact on either side. Uh, really, other than that, there's not a lot of surprises on the depth chart. You have some new faces at Offensive line, which, as you mentioned, is kind of crazy to see after two years of no turnover. No turnover yeah. But at right tackle, uh, you have Hyron White, who's currently listed number one. He stepped in for Yasir Durant last year during the Purdue game when Yasir Durant got hurt. Uh, Larry Borum is listed as the or starter, so either Larry Borum or Case Cook at left guard. We're replacing Kevin Pendleton. And then you have Tristan Castillo, uh Trevor Wallace-Sims and Yasir Durant all returning from last year as well. Yeah, it's just weird to see that or on the, anywhere on the offensive line because it's just been so set in stone for so long. Um, obviously, that's something that it's hard to watch an offensive line battle, but just because of how set in stone that's been for so many for the last two years, it'd be interesting to see how that develops throughout the year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's going to be I, critical I, for whatever Missouri is able to do offensively. I, our listeners, and all of our readers expect you at spring practice to give us every detail of the battle between Larry Borum and Case Cook. I will. At every spring practice. I, I will. will. I will detail. be watching over them like a hawk. Yep. Don't don't look at Kelly Bryant. We want that. I will be tweeting, live tweeting, Case Cook with the nice uh, undercut uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, uh, on Jordan Elliott today at practice. Yep. Larry Borum took his left foot on that retreat in the past half inch off left foot left foot was six inches off yep. six inches gotta off. gotta be better gotta be better so uh that's kind of a rundown of the depth chart we got today one other thing tucker mccann listed as the punter and place kicker josh dodge is probably i mean like probably i will see unless tucker mccann is willing to do both this upcoming season josh dodge is probably going to be the guy who ends up taking over for Corey fatoni dodge is actually a pretty good high school punter came from blue springs and was averaging over 40 yards as a uh, high school punter so barry odom kind of said that there's some things he needs to improve on uh, but that, we talked about offensive line but i think the place where missouri has the greatest potential to be better next year than they were last season is special teams it was a, a pretty much a disaster, disaster from yeah. start to finish what they did the last couple of years teams. really yeah and it felt at last so 2017, you know, the first four games or first six games when they went on that losing streak, special teams during that period was not good at all. They were giving up returns. Yeah. Uh, the kick return by Depot Samuel stands out, obviously. And dropping punt returns. Yeah, didn't have a, a guy lot. that could catch a punt, punt for yeah. like three weeks. The second half of that season totally flipped around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Larry Roundtree was excellent kick returning. Jonathan, or excuse me, Rashad Floyd returned two punts for touchdowns. Tucker McCann was, I think he missed two field goals all season out of like 17, something like that. I mean, he was really accurate. 
And then last year, you just everything went back down. Yeah. You kind of reset. So your kick return didn't give you anything all season. Punt return might have been even worse. They were like last in the country in punt return average for the first half of the season. Tucker McCann regressed in terms of accuracy despite a couple of big-time kicks. And really the only thing they did well on a consistent basis was Corey Fatoni booting the ball, the ball right. but they still had – one punt that was blocked for a touchdown in a critical moment against Georgia, and an even more critical moment, uh, they allowed a punt return touchdown against Tennessee yeah. or Kentucky. Kentucky excuse Kentucky, me. Kentucky. Yeah, that was pretty much the worst timing for a punt return touchdown that you could have envisioned it all season. So that that was a major failure and a definite opportunity for Missouri to improve on. Uh, it's something where they can improve next season. Yeah, yeah. I think, and again, if we're just looking at the depth chart and storylines to follow, I think a big part, like you, you mentioned special teams, but I mean, even more focused down in special teams is the punter situation with Corey Fittoni, who's how that's going to go, how that's going to kind of work itself out. Um, because you're, you're losing, I mean, Corey Fittoni was a game changer. I mean, if Missouri, Missouri went three and out, he could, he could totally change the, change the field for them. So um, that's bigger than a lot of people think. I mean, a lot of people just go, oh, it's just punter. It's not that big of a deal. We can replace a punter. It's baked when you lose a punter like Corby Tony. Yeah, he, he was a guy that had a massive impact yeah. on the game regularly. One other thing interesting about this spring, so you have Michael Wilson, who was the backup quarterback in 2017, played in a couple games, played against Connecticut, uh, played against Idaho, I believe. Last year did not play. He was kind of passed up on the quarterback depth chart by Taylor Powell. Michael Wilson is now listed at receiver. He, uh, Barry Odom said today it was his. It was Michael Wilson's idea. He came up to him this offseason and mentioned that uh, might be something he'd want to do. And so now he's listed as the uh, third-string receiver behind Cam Scott and Rashad Floyd at 6'3", 210 pounds. So he's definitely got the size to do it. 6'3", 210 is pretty much the biggest receiver that's on the depth chart uh, besides Tusky Dove, a redshirt freshman. So maybe Michael Wilson, you'll see him more catching passes this year. as a poten- I mean, they, Missouri's had guys that have bounced around there. TJ Moe was a quarterback in high school that became a wide receiver in right. college. Uh, Cam Hilton was a receiver when he started out, became a safety later in his career. So now you have Michael Wilson, who is going to be a quarterback going to receiver this season. That should be kind of interesting to follow up on this yeah, year, too. Yeah, yeah. I'd really just – I mean, again, as I think also just on the wide receiver, just a lot of talent there, um, a lot of young talent. I think you would you expect to see J.L. Knox take another step forward. I um, expect to see Dom DeCento play, play, get some more – playing time as well see how, see how he can contribute a little bit more as well um and then i mean obviously you expect jonathan johnson to be the guy this year um jonathan johnson is not like a big um receiver you're gonna throw the ball up to and say go get it um like climb over a db but you expect him to be able to make a big contribution um who and sometimes throughout his career he's had problems catching the ball so um you expect him to be um the guy for kelly bryant to throw to this year yeah the safety blanket which he was a you know Drew Locke used him in a lot of ways. Actually, he ended up being more of a down-the-field guy for Drew Locke, but I think Jonathan Johnson has the opportunity to be the guy who is, yeah, Kelly Bryant's last resort kind of safety blanket. Uh, Jalen Knox, I think – you know, he had a tremendous freshman year. I think he's going to be a vertical threat. Him and Cam Scott, probably. He, yeah, he 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 showed immense promise yeah. last season. And, and, you know, reading about Kelly Bryant, uh, I have to give credit uh, to, across the way to Peter Baugh at the Missourian, who wrote an interesting story about Kelly Bryant today at the Missourian. But he, in that story, you know, and it kind of reaffirms the thought that 
Kelly Bryant, when he came to Missouri, um, you know, he wanted to come to a school that had a little bit more to do with passing, basically a school that could get him further along. And what Peter reported kind of backs up the idea the people he talked to reaffirmed that he went to Missouri with an opportunity to play in a more passing offense, a team, you know, a place where he could go that wasn't just going to turn him into a running quarterback like what might have happened if he would have went to Arkansas or Auburn, somewhere where he knew the playbook a little bit better. Missouri was an opportunity for him to break out of that a little bit and become a more developed passer. I think – Drew Locke's senior year provided the perfect blueprint. I want to do that. I want to learn that playbook, and I want to improve in a way that Drew Locke did that made him a more draftable quarterback. Right, but now I think it's going to be – I think Kelly – I agree with you, but I do think they're going to change – obviously, we both talked about this. I think they're going to change the playbook a little bit to suit Kelly better than it suited Drew. Drew was a guy – Yeah, no doubt. Drew was a guy where you could just chuck – the. I mean, he could literally throw the ball as far as he wanted to, and the receiver could go get it. I don't think that's Kelly's game. I think they're probably going to – change different things to obviously fit Kelly and his and his kind of play style but I agree I think this is a this is a a program and um an offense where it will help Kelly get to the next level much better than it would be sitting behind Trevor Lawrence at Clemson how many wins Missouri football gonna have this year Cam oh man I haven't looked at the schedule I don't care I just want your I want your gut feeling uh nine nine eight or nine we'll go eight or nine now pick one you got I you gotta pick one. Um Nah, don't look at your computer. <laughs> um I go with eight. I think eight. I, I think eight. an eight win eight win team with the potential to go up one or down yeah. down two or three. Yeah. But I think an eight win team is definitely in the cards. Just with the Kelly Bryan said he wants to be UCF. There you go. Could have been yeah, can be UCF. What's that? So what is that comparison? He wants to be UCF, the best so team that did not Peter, make the college yeah, football playoff? Yeah, it was in Peter's story. It was just like he, he – I guess Kelly Bryant didn't say it to him. I guess he told somebody else. It was just like, we could be UCF, go 10-0, and and then I can get ready for the Pro Bowl or for tra- start training for uh, the Senior Bowl. That's the thing is everybody makes a big deal out of the, the missing postseason. For Kelly Bryant, that would be the perfect thing. Yeah, 100%. You go – yeah. Say, that, say they go undefeated. 12-0? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. He's the most – Improved quarterback in the country. Everybody wants Everybody him. Everybody loves him here. Guess what? Don't have to play in a bowl game. Don't yeah. have to bother going yeah. to a bowl game. I can start working out right now. Don't have to worry about maybe losing in the college. I like obviously everyone wants to national championship, but like you, he can go out completely on top. And he goes, I'm just gonna go. I'm gone. Yeah. Gonna go play in the pros now. Thanks for thanks for the help, Columbia. You've been great. I'm out. See ya. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to add. So uh, about Kelly Bryant, Barry Odom made a really interesting point today he did say so you know a couple weeks ago when he was in kansas city speaking for the tiger quarterback club or kc tiger club kc tiger club kc tiger club they were talking about the ncaa sanctions and barry odom said that some schools notably tennessee a team that we beat what did he say? What was the direct team, quote? The team that he he was like, we beat him what? 50 to 17 or something like he that? He said, our, what's our score against him in the last two years? 128? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That team, Tennessee, <laughs> yeah. uh, has gone after some of Missouri's seniors. Certainly Tennessee isn't the only team to do that. Uh, there's been reports that Arkansas has also done that. A couple other – or not Arkansas. Arkansas was a team that was thought to do it and was not. But there have been other teams in the SEC, Mississippi State. There have been some teams outside of the SEC that have that have done that as well. Uh, Barry Odom said that's continued. There's 
program. I mean, his, he said today his seniors are being contacted every day by other teams that want them to leave, which, you know, I mean, that's probably a testament to Mizzou to Mizzou's players. And I think going back to uh, what we talked about, I think with the Tennessee thing, I mean, Tennessee is going after Missouri because Missouri's players are better than Tennessee's players. Yeah. As evidenced by what has happened over the last two yeah. years, it's pretty obvious that Missouri has better players than Tennessee does right now. But uh, with Kelly Bryant, Barry Odom, you know, talked about he's got an infectious personality. He's got great leadership skills. But he is not – he said, I have not relaxed one bit about Kelly Bryant, you know, basically being a fixture of the team. Obviously, he is a fixture of the team, but he and everybody else, all the all these other seniors, the way Barry Odom put it is, we are recruiting them every day to stay. So, you know, he's he, he made the point, and I think it speaks a lot to Missouri's team culture that nobody's left yet, but it's the Missouri coaching staff is, you know, basically looking at this like we have to do everything in our power to keep these guys around. And we trust them, we believe in them, but... We, they're going to be getting these overtures all over the country. You know, we have to keep them around. And so with Kelly Bryant, even now, it's still a process of recruiting him to stay. Yeah. And and I thought that was really interesting. I mean, that that it, you would imagine any team that wanted him three months ago is going to still want him now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Missouri's doing everything they can to keep him. Two thoughts on that. One, um, it's annoying. I imagine as a coaching staff, it's annoying to hear other schools are calling your players. But they're not doing anything wrong. As long as they're going through compliance, it's not it's not illegal. I mean, every every team in the country right now wants to be better. It just happens in every sport. Um, it's annoying. I get it. Um, but I don't think it's a huge deal. Um, two, like like you said about the culture, I think it's a testament to Barry um, and just the loyalty that these these guys have to him and that team that they aren't like. I mean, like you said, these kids could be anywhere and they don't have to sit out a year. I mean, you're telling me there's not a team that could use a Jonathan Johnson and to put them over the hump in terms of being an average to above average team or a Kelly Bryant or, um, I mean, DeMarcus Zaysi isn't a, a game changer. He's not a world shaker, but I mean, he could be somebody who can be on a team. Like, I think or it's a Trevor I, Sims yeah. or, yeah, I mean, uh, Tucker lot. McCann. We talked about Tucker right. McCann. Like, Alabama could use a place kicker, exactly. you think. Exactly. Like, there's, there's a lot of guys. I mean, Trevor Wallace Sims might be the best, one of the best offensive linemen in the conference. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys on this team that a lot of teams could use on their roster that could make them a conference contender wherever they're at. Um, I think, it, yeah, I agree. I think it may, it's a testament to the culture and just how much loyalty they have to Barry. Um, we talk, I think a lot of people talk about Barry, just like he doesn't have a lot of personality in front of us or in front of the camera. Um, but obviously these guys like him enough where they're like, if we don't make the postseason, it's fine. We want to go out. We want to stay here and play for you and play for this, this program. Yep. This weekend upcoming, which will be the first weekend of March, is the NFL Combine, Missouri. Mizzou has six guys at the combine. Paul Adams is going to be first. He gets his measurements today. Actually, already came out. What do you have on uh, measurements? As I go through some of these other guys yeah, that are going to be there, me. Therese Hall will be there. Terry Beckner will be there. Drew Locke, of course, will be there. Uh, Andrew Locke. So that is six. You say Drew Locke twice. Did I say Drew Locke twice? Paul Adams, Terry Beckner, Therese Hall. I think I did say Drew, you Locke, did twice. Say Drew Locke twice. Let's do it one more time. Okay. Paul Adams, Terry Beckner, Therese Hall, Kendall Blanton, Drew Locke, and Emmanuel, Emmanuel Hall. Hall. Yeah, okay. Um, Paul Adams, weight 6'5", 317, hands came in at 10 inches, arms, what, 33, this is the, this stuff's so stupid to me, <laughs> arms are 33 
four ace, whatever the hell that means, <laughs> and his wingspan is 80, 81. Like, this stuff's so stupid to me. Imagine being a scout, you're just like, hmm. Oh, yeah, that's, man, that's his a, arms. That's got That's my offensive tackle. No, that sounds that sounds big that's, to me. Yeah, If exactly. I were to label that as a quality, it would be... Large. Big. Yeah. Vast. <laughs> large arms. Vast. Yep. That is a big human that's being. That's going to be on the scouting report. Paul Adams, the large-armed offensive tackle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. We'll be back to talk a little Mizzou basketball uh, and then also some baseball and softball, which I know, Cam, you're dying to give your take on Mizzou baseball and Mizzou softball. All right, we'll we'll be right back. (laughs) I'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsors of the Mizzou Sports Podcast, MU Healthcare, Columbia Water and Light, and Phyllis Nichols of State Farm. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of Mizzou Athletics. Columbia Water and Light encourages the efficient use of electricity and water because it can make a big difference for all of us. Find out more at columbiapowerpartners.com and contact State Farm agent Phyllis Nichols at 573-443-8727 for life, home, car insurance, and more. Thanks again to our sponsors, and now we'll return you to the podcast. We're back on the Mizzou Sports Podcast, and uh, this is what I'm going to do. Cam, Mizzou lost to Mississippi State last night, men's basketball. Score wasn't ever very close. The closest they were in the second half was five points. Yeah. What happened? Tell me what happened and what it means for Mizzou basketball. They lost. They're still at the bottom of the SEC. They're not at the bottom. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. So, no. <laughs> they. Uh, no, they – I mean, honestly, Missouri, Missouri played fairly well for the first – 20 minutes, 25, like they have done a lot this year. Um, defensively, they was probably one of their better performances through like the first 25 minutes of the game. I mean, they for a 10-minute stretch from the first half to the second half, it was actually a 12-minute stretch. Mississippi State had two field goals in 12 minutes. Um, man, I'm hungry. I don't know if you guys heard my stomach growl there. I that was you your stomach yeah, growling? I'm oh my gosh. Um, um, but yeah, defensively, they were good. It's just offensively, they could not get anything going. I mean, Jordan Geist didn't, didn't shoot the ball particularly well just really nobody did they shot 35 percent from the field and 29 percent from deep and got eight shots blocked um i mean it's just they really couldn't get anything going offensively and throughout that game you could just see it it was like eventually quindere weatherspoon is going to get going and mississippi's going to start scoring missouri needs to get a lead here um and they just never could get going nope yeah and then tyson carter got hot and quindere weatherspoon got hot and it was once they got up like 10 or 10 or 12 you were just like they're not coming back from this they just don't have the horses offensively um jeremiah tillman fought out again third time in four games didn't flip anybody off did this not time. flip anybody off this time so that's that's progress that's progress yeah, we're getting better um so that's three times in four games which 10th time this year not good um but a torn wasn't played well. I guess that's that's an, that's an, that's good. He twelve points again, no. career high for the fifth no. time this year. Positive note. Um, good but, things. I mean that you've been talking about this football, this basketball team for a while. It's like a team that fights and doesn't get really haven't been blown out other than the Auburn game. They got blown out the other day, uh, yesterday. So um, we'll be interested to see how they bounce back against a winnable game at home against South Carolina on Saturday. Will it be interesting? It's interesting to me. I mean, it's interesting to if see you, yeah. if they win. I <laughs> what mean, if they lose? I don't. Well, again, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if they can go beat a bad Georgia team. And if they can't do that, nothing else is interesting the rest of the year. But um, I mean, 
you would look at these last three games on their schedule: home against South Carolina, at Georgia, home against Ole Miss, as games that they should. Part- they, sh- they they are winnable games. Not that they should win. South Carolina's not playing great right now. That's a winnable game. Georgia hasn't won a SEC game since they beat Vanderbilt on January 9th. That's thirteen straight losses, I believe, or twelve. One of the two. Um, Ole Miss, a team that they probably could have beat at Ole Miss, they turned the ball over twenty five times. Um, those are games that they're still probably going to play in the first day of the SEC tournament. That's probably not going to change. But in, t- in terms of just building confidence going forward into the rest of this, into next season, I think that's pretty big. Oh, also, Mark Smith is out for the season. Yeah, that's yeah. Pretty Mark big. Smith has been ruled out. He yeah. will have surgery yeah. on his ankle. One thing that was kind of interesting, you wonder, so Mark Smith was hurt. He came back. He played two games. Now he's done for the season. He has to yeah. have surgery. Yeah. You know, it's what? almost a thing of like, did the two games hurt him more? more. Was it he like, never looked comfortable? Was it just like, listen, there's no point. Yeah, I think it's almost. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I I don't know if he got hurt more, but it's most. I think I look at it as almost just like a precaution. Get surgery, get this fixed. Um, and I think of what I said on the radio the other day was it's better to do this now than wait than have him play on it, make it worse, and have him have surgery in April. Actually, middle of March. Um, have, him, <laughs> have him have surgery in the middle of March. We don't have to wait till April. Yeah, guys. exactly. Um, and then he misses time in the summer and he misses time in the fall. Um, it's better to do it now, get it done, get get him rehabbed, and get him back in that gym. So, one thing so, Mizzou plays at Georgia. Yeah. Something in Mizzou. No, well, that's next week, Wednesday. They play. Yeah, yeah that's tomorrow. not their next game, yeah. but what somebody should do if you're a Mizzou fan or if there are no Mizzou fans at that game, possibly. A Mizzou manager that'll be behind the bench is to take a small plush bulldog toy, and I'll when the moment on, and when the moment is necessary, chuck it onto the court, get an extra free throw, and win the game. I'm not telling them to do that because then this is going to happen, and someone's going to listen to this podcast. Listen, and come Cam, blame you. If somebody does that, it'll be the most interesting thing you write about this. Team I agree, all but it also will come back on the Mizzou Sports Podcast, sponsored by the Columbia Daily Tribune. So I'm going to. Well, I'm not encouraging people, but uh, if it happens. <laughs> It would be it would be funny. We have talked about that on the podcast before. You you could do it, and something maybe some maybe somebody shoots another free throw, and maybe Mizzou finds a way to win. What if? Uh, see, what would probably happen would be that would happen, and Mizzou would miss all three free throws, and Georgia would still win. <laughs> yeah, that would be more likely to happen. That, would, but, that might actually happen. Um, yeah, that's just that was just a bad. I mean, for so long they've kind of been trending upwards in terms of potential going forward. Um, I mean. They haven't, like I said, they haven't been blown out since end of January against Auburn. You play strong against Kentucky, LSU, and Tennessee, um, but that that was just bad. I mean, offensively they couldn't get anything going. It's their worst offensive performance since last year against Texas A and M, where they also scored forty nine points. Hmm. Anytime you're in the forty range, yeah, things have gone poorly. Yeah, and they didn't even play sixty possessions. They scored point eight four possession uh, points per possession. Seems not good. No, it seems not good to be scoring less than a point per possession. Oh no, 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 not good at one bit. Mississippi State scored one point one seven points per possession. That'll make you that equal a loss every night of the week. <laughs> every day ending in Y. That's right. Yep. Zoo women, since we last talked, have lost. Uh, I'm trying to remember when that Tennessee game was. If we had, it was before. I- no, it was the Sunday. It was the day you got back from Oxford, so last Sunday. Okay. So, last Sunday, and then they also lost to Auburn. Correct. Okay. So, rough stretch either way for the Missouri women. And they were yeah, they looking at they were looking at, at that, you know, a week ago after they had beaten, or two weeks ago after they had beaten 
Mississippi State, they were looking at the possibility of possibly, you know, finishing top. It certainly looked like they would finish top four in the SEC. Yeah. And look like there might even be a possibility that they would still host a NCAA tournament game. Right, if they could win out. If they, if things went really well. Yeah. Instead, now they're looking at a possibility of not getting the first round by or the two the double by in the SEC tournament, so they'd finish outside of the top four. And as we said last week, basically any hope of them hosting an NCAA tournament game is over. Certainly, that feels doubly true after the loss to Auburn, yeah. which Missouri was down in the in the first two quarters, made a run in the third quarter to to take the lead. Actually, we're leading by seven, and then just went ice cold in the fourth quarter against Auburn and ended up losing the game. What might be even worse, Akira Levy injured her knee it seemed like it might be really serious just ba- and right after the game robin pinchton was telling uh the radio host brad trinago that you know she fears it's a serious injury so that would be a big blow she has like been uh it's it's apparent when akira levy plays really well it does wonders for this missouri basketball team she is just like spark. a shot of adrenaline yeah, 100% on that team when she plays really well uh, was was huge in the game against Mississippi State. So losing her would be a big blow towards the end of the year. Yeah, Senior night is Sunday. be the final home game for Sophie Cunningham, who has a chance to be the all-time leading scorer in the program if things go this well. This is kind of crazy. I was talking to somebody, the uh, Mizzou softball I said about this today. He was saying – like he works every game. Like he goes and helps out the other SID things. He goes, I might just go to this one as a fan and just like sit there and just like really like get a chance to really watch her in her final game. It's kind of crazy. Like you think about it, the Carissa Swicer's final home game, home track meet was a big deal. I, I haven't been around something as big as Carissa's because it was weird because I was covering a baseball game. And I remember everyone leaving the press box and turning around to the track and everybody, like people got out of the stands to turn and watch Carissa do her final race at Mizzou. Sophie's is going to be a bit huge. I mean, this is, you're talking about pretty much the best player in program history. Probably one of the five, probably one of the best female athletes to ever play, ever do anything at Mizzou. Um, I don't know, man. A hometown kid. He won four state championships at Rockbridge. I feel like all Columbia is going to be there. Not all Columbia, but like uh, this yeah, place should all be all one hundred and thirty thousand yeah. people. Anybody who like has any like like fandom of Sophie, anybody that remembered her in high school, I feel like there's going to be a ton of townies and at the, at that game. <laughs> That's the best way to say it because usually, usually it's just Mizzou fans. I think you're going to have a lot of people who just are ta- like Columbia natives. They're town. They're town people. Townies. That's what we used to call them in B- BG. <laughs> VG people who lived in Bowling Green. And I am a townie. I went to Mizzou and stuck around. I no. am now a townie. No, and so are you. No, yeah, you are. No, it's huh. different. Huh. I mean, like natives, people who grew up watching Sophie in when they were when she was in middle school, or grew up watching Sophie when no one knew about her. Like people, people who knew Sophie for long before. So she you're talking up. about like uh, West Middle School basketball fans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people whose kids who whose grandkids are playing with Sophie at West Middle School. Let me ask uh, you is that this. a real middle school in Columbia? What which one? West Middle School. I think so, yeah. Oh, cool. Let me ask you this question. Sophie Cunningham gets on a lot of people's nerves in the SEC yeah. for the way she plays. You think there's anybody in this town who's a Hickman fan that's like 
Gosh, that's so fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you they probably are. I bet you they probably are. I can't watch that Missouri yeah. women's team because Sophie Cunningham. I bet you they're probably still are. just oh, I all those. Are. But I think a lot of people they're probably also Mizzou fans, so they're probably like. I know that's gonna be really conflicting if yeah. you're a diehard Hickman Coopies women's basketball fan yeah. and also because those a Mizzou the Hickman fan. teams, if I remember right, historically were really good when Sophie was really good, and yeah, they, they never got always, out of district. They, always like it was like, man, we have a great team, and then this Rockbridge team yeah. down the road is just. With an all with a McDonald's All American and two six foot posts, yeah, and, yeah, um, but yeah, I feel this game's gonna be packed. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I think another big reason for that it's not just that Sophie Cunningham has scored a lot of points. We've it's talked before. She, had. I mean, it feels like at times she is the face of the athletic department yeah. in this town. As you said, as a Columbia native, I mean, she has led a resurgence for that entire program. She's basically. Her and Robin Pinchton, and you know, there's been a lot of players. Obviously, Sierra Porter and Jordan Frerichs, and and it's, it's no disrespect to them, but on the face of it, and no one, some people never admit this, and Robin may never admit this, but no one has had a bigger impact on that program right now. I think Robin would, but yeah, Robin you know, might say it, yeah. But Sophie, the things she's done, and just the fan, just the fan base that she's kind of built around that program. Um, and no disrespect to any other players, but it's just not even comparable. Yeah, well, my larger point is her personality is one of the things that makes her the player that she is yeah. and has garnered the support. You yeah, know, her her personality, not just on the floor, but off the floor, meeting with people after the game, yeah. just kind of being around and being a, a public face for not just the women's basketball team, but the entire Mizzou athletic department. Yeah, yeah. That is one of the reasons why I think Sophie's, you know, her impact has been so great. Yeah. I mean, they, she's the, not the, they don't call her the mayor of Columbia for nothing. That's right. That's right. The mayor, mayor's term is almost over. Yeah. Four years yeah. termed out. Yeah. So uh, Sunday will be her last game at Mizzou Arena. Barring, no, I'm not even going to say that. There is no chance they're going to host yeah, the NCAA tournament game. Yeah. Be her last game at Mizzou Arena. Yeah. Mizzou baseball won last night. They have a winning record, five and four. They beat Alabama A and M in the home opener after eight games in Florida. Mizzou softball, uh, which had a great couple opening games, they beat Oregon and beat Arizona State. I believe going they beat back. Arizona State. Uh, they lost to Oregon. They lost to Oregon, but they yeah. beat another ranked team. They run ruled two ranked teams. You're shaking your head. No, yeah, no, that's not they, true. They run ruled Utah, who got votes. And they run ruled number twelve Arizona State to open the season, and okay. then they lost at number twenty five Oregon right after. Thank, thank you for the clarification. Okay. Okay. Also beat KU twice. I had to twice. pull the schedule up. Yeah. Ah, I see. yeah, they beat KU twice. And now they recently came back from a pretty tough road stretch. They yeah. were playing uh, UCLA, which is a top ten team, number two in the country, got run ruled, and then they lost to Washington, number five in the country, six to three. And then right after that, they run ruled. They beat this. They beat New Mexico State fifteen to nothing. <sighs> they let. They let. They opened up a can of, uh, yeah. <laughs> of yeah. you know what, uh, New Mexico State after getting walloped a couple times. What's our record now, Cam? Nine and five, I believe. Hold on, I got something on my computer. Yep, nine and five. What, you got a pop up ad on that? I bro, I I tried to scroll up. I went up to the donate tab, and the, the drop down menu came up, <laughs> and I didn't mean to be there. Get out of the way. Yeah, Get out exactly. of the way. Drop down menu. So oh. Mizzou softball is also uh, got a winning record. Playing well, yeah. Playing well this season. Mizzou swimming finished second. Yeah, that's a huge deal in the SEC championship. That's a pretty big deal. Um, I don't know a lot about Mizzou his, swimming history, but I know they haven't won a SEC championship. Um, so that's a huge deal to finish second behind Florida, who's like a national power. 
Yeah, listen, there's not going to be a lot of opportunities for a team of swimmers in Missouri to beat a team of swimmers yeah. in Florida. Yeah. I think that's yeah. that's just geography. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to the Mizzou swimmer. Shout out to Mitch Forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legacy Mizzou swimmer. And they did that, uh, which has been brought up a couple times. Uh, Greg Rodenbaugh still... Yeah. Not coaching in the, the team. In the stands, cheering for his son, Caleb Rodenball. Right, yeah. The yeah. coach of the team is under... Title IX investigation. Right, yeah, and has not been uh, able to coach the team. Uh, I guess it's kind of a weird situation there. Not a lot of details have come out about it. Jim Sterk wouldn't answer questions about it the last time we got a chance to talk to him. So anyway, ongoing situation. Another uh, The resolution of that will be ongoing. But at any rate, the swim team has been able to find some success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll pretty much do it for today. Uh, we will have a report more on spring football next week after getting to see a couple practices. Uh, we'll be able to report on more. We'll have a better idea of what is going to happen with the Mizzou women in the SEC tournament and possibly the NCAA tournament. And the Mizzou men will be, unfortunately, one step closer to the end of their season and moving on. Or maybe, fortunately... You don't think they're going to make the, run the table in the SEC tournament and make the NCAA tournament? No, I don't. I made that mistake last year. I'm not going to make it twice. That's a that's a, that's a bold, pretty fair That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty, not, that's pretty fair. Really not going yeah, uh, no. too far off the reservation to make that claim. Mm-hmm. So we'll be one step closer to moving on to 2019-2020. Oh, also, real quick, as we brought up, brought up on the last podcast, the SEC basketball standings. Um, oh. it's coming down to the wire now. Um, I, with LSU beat Tennessee last uh, last weekend, like I predicted, I feel like I said that on the podcast. I just want people to know that. I remember okay. saying that. I did say that. Um, so Kentucky and LSU are tied for first in the SEC right now with Tennessee at number two. It's pretty much going to come down to the Kentucky-Tennessee game this weekend. At, at Tennessee, um, I think Kentucky's going to win. But Yeah, I, yeah I, I'll stand by Tennessee. Team I picked from the beginning. Yeah, sure. Got to say them now. Yeah, uh, my my vote has been cast. I think LSU's probably going to end up winning. I don't know, end. man. I think Kentucky beats Tennessee. Well, I think they might end up being co-champs, but yeah, Kentucky beats Tennessee is no one else beating Kentucky. Yeah, but yeah. So it's been a fun basketball season to look at the other as part team SEC <laughs> that's teams. That's right. That's right. You enjoy that side. Yep, that's true. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. That's all we have today. Um, subscribe and rate our podcast only if it's five stars don't rate if it's not five stars um anywhere if it's not five stars dm danny at uh, in, on twitter his twitter ad is at daniel underscore m underscore jones uh, my twitter is at cj underscore teague no need to dm me i'll pass it off to danny if you do um follow, read our work at the tribune at columbiatribune.com um and i think that's it danny you can cue the outro music Subscribe to Mizzou's Sports Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.